You're now listening to the Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I'm Nathan. That is Ben right there. He is assistant pastor at Church of the King. And Jake, the head pastor of Church of the King, the CEO of Warhorn Media, the man, the myth, the legend, is not here. Very sad. I see an empty table. The microphone without use. If these shadows do not come to pass. Is that what it is? If these shadows are not changed. If these shadows are not changed. Or maybe if these shadows remain unchanged. That sounds right, yeah. That sounds right. I don't know. The rhythm, the Dickensian rhythms, which I mostly know from adaptation, are very familiar. Yeah. And yet, they do not always stick precisely in my head. Mankind was my business. (laughs) (laughs) The dealings of my my, dealings of my trade were but a drop in the comprehensive ocean of my business. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. It's pretty great. (laughs) It is pretty great. That Dickens, he could string together some words. Yeah. Hey, speaking of people who can string together words, my Twitter account, uh, Jake's not here. Did I say that? You didn't. He's not. I mean, we heavily implied it. We heavily implied it, yeah. Jake's not here, and none of us will be here next week. This is a check-in episode. We are in the dog days of summer, and I'm going on vacation. Ben already had his vacation. I don't know what Jake's doing. He's too important to go on vacation, but... We've got all that coming up, and so we're, we just thought we'd do a little check-in episode instead of leaving you high and dry. But we want to talk about a Twitter thread that went bananas, the biggest Twitter thread that has ever happened on the Twitter account, at Nathan Alberson. Yep. Bigger, I think, than the controversial ones we've talked about in the past. But what was this Twitter thread, Ben? Oh, it was a thread about... Children's fantasy books. Recommendations outside of Lewis and Tolkien. Yes, it was basically, I'm sorry, my phone is in my pocket, and instead I should have it pulled out so I can actually look at this thing for reference. So it's possible. Now, of course, I would never employ any ghost writers or do anything like that, but it is uh, no. possible that this thread was ghostwritten by one Benjamin J. Solzer. Maybe. We'll never know, though. Nope. Now, all right, so here we go. Your kids have already devoured Narnia and Lord of the Rings. Here are some other fantasy novels to edify, terrify, and amuse without pumping their minds full of garbage. Ben, do you just want to give the list to people? Yeah, sure. And tell them what's great about each of these things? Oh, I can do that. This is a fun list. Yeah. It's a fun list. I was like, man... How many good fantasy novels for kids are there? And then oh. I realized that there were a bunch. There's that at I least was a fan what of. four Game of Thrones novels. That's right. More on the way. More on the way. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> aren't there five Game of Thrones novels now? Oh, I don't know that he's been working on. I'm pretty sure that there, there are five now. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't kept up, listener. I haven't kept up. Did read the first three twenty years ago, something like that. Shouldn't have done it. But I was younger and less mature than I am now. Never cracked a Game of Thrones novel. I'm a more sanctified person than this, you are. It's very true. I did watch, I think, the first season of the show. And then I was like, hey, this has a lot of nudity and rape and stuff. And probably shouldn't keep watching it. Probably not. And then I stopped. No George Martin is on this kid's fantasy list. So we've got, to, for starters, we've got Edith Nesbitt. And I just put a novel or a book by each of these people. Just to get people started, Five Children and It, Edith Nesbitt, 
turn of the century lady who you could argue invented modern children's fantasy. She is a really excellent writer and a lot of fun. And she wrote books that tend to have a lot of sort of comic misadventures in them. They're also sweet, sincere, melancholy. They're kind of all the things that you want in a kid's fantasy book. So Five Children and It is about five children who find, oh, a Samiad, I think it's called, a sand fairy. Grant's wishes, it's this creature, but it's irritated at having to grant wishes. And it grants wishes in such a way that they always go very wrong and the kids have a lot of misadventures. It's really fun. And then moving on down the list, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by Frank Baum. I know a lot of people haven't read this because they've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. They're like, why would I need to read the book? The answer is, the book is nothing like the movie. It's not a musical. There's no songs. It's quite a bit more action-adventure focused. The movie doesn't have the scarecrow breaking the necks of these crows that are attacking the party as they journey towards the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, It's probably good the movie doesn't have that. But in the book, it feels like it's just all very fairy tale type stuff, like the kind of thing you would read in a line in The Brothers Grimm. This book is full of that kind of stuff. It's really fun for boys, not just for girls, because it's action-adventure. Yeah, I feel like the whole Wizard of Oz thing is interesting because people keep trying to do it. Like, it's a property that gets rebooted every few years. We, yeah. there, was, there was that terrible Sam Raimi. Never saw it. James Franco film. I forget what it was even called. I can't think of it either. There's the musical Wicked. It's it's like a, the kind of thing that keeps on chugging in the pop right. culture. And yet, the bomb books seem like they've been completely lost to the sands of times in terms of ongoing Discourse. People, people still read them, but yeah, discourse, yeah, you're right. People, they're not so much in the popular conversation anymore, and they're interesting. We could have a much longer conversation about that. I feel like that's, maybe it's a topic for us someday. Maybe it's a topic for the booketing. But Bomb was an interesting guy in the extent to which you think of the books as sort of proto-feminist or not is interesting. You could make an argument that they are, but I would still recommend them to your kids and they're really fun fantasies. They're extremely whimsical and inventive. It's like you turn the page. Here's another character in another place. Here's another idea. Baum is just very generous with his ideas in these books. Is it the kind of thing that would be irritating for someone who likes their fantasy to have some rules and some logic? I would say that every little world has its own sort of self-contained logic. At least that's as best. That's how he works. It's like, we're here, so here's the logic of this place. These are the vegetable people. This is what they're like. Turns out they're bad. <laughs> they have their own rules. Right. And I think that's what Bomb does at his best is he creates little worlds with rules. And then if he breaks the rules, it usually feels fair. He wrote, I can't remember how many books. Too bad I'm not. Uh, it's been a while since I've read them. And I want to say I missed a couple of his books because they weren't at my local library when I was a kid. We had to rely on a local library when I was a kid. No Amazon to order the books. Alas. And alas. And uh, I don't think I ever read outside of Bomb to the other authors who wrote Oz books. But I'm willing to. Maybe they stink. I know some people say that they're bad. But you want a little taste of the something a little bit more like the books? The movie Return to Oz is very Ozzy. Very, very Ozzy, yeah. And a good movie, but also pretty creepy. Pretty creepy, yeah. Yeah. I that one maybe take some liberties towards creepiness. Like, not all Oz books are that creepy at mm-hmm. all. So if that would give you one impression. But it's fair. It's distilled from creepy things that are in the books. And, uh, yeah, Oz is fun. It really is. But what about um, Edward Egger? Eager. Eager. I'm pretty sure. He was another Brit, like Edith Nesbitt. I didn't say that. She's British. And he was clearly just following in her footsteps. He's got witty, lively prose. He's not her equal in, like 
melancholy or any emotion, the emotional depth <clears throat> that you can find in Nesbit. Nesbit's a little more of a romanticist like Tolkien, like there's this kind of longing for a far off world or for times that will never come again. Eager's not so much that for both better and worse. He's more like, these kids are going to have fun misadventures. So I put the book Half Magic, which just started reading again with my wife, and the kids find this coin, and it grants wishes, but it grants half your wish. <laughs> so you're like, I wish I were home right now. Suddenly, you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, halfway to your house. If you were like 10 miles away, you're five miles there. You're like, what just happened? It's, it's really fun. That is fun. It's really fun. He's very clever, creates likable characters. He's a good writer. And then we've got Diana Wynne-Jones, another Brit. Later in the century, I want to say she died 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, so somewhere in there. Died in the Audis, I think. Yeah. Diana Wynne-Jones is awesome. She's not the prose equal of Nesbitt or anything, but boy, she's a good writer. She's a genuinely good writer, and she is a pretty awesome plot writer, and she does not condescend to children. None of these writers really condescend to children. That's a nice thing about good children's books. They elevate them, and Jones asks a lot of kids. Like it asks, She asks a lot of them because her plots are not easy. They work almost like detective stories sometimes. She's going to give you this clue and that clue. She's going to wrap things up, and if you're not thinking carefully, you'll miss what actually happened. And I always liked that as a kid. I liked the feeling it was over my head. She's also funny and charming and romantic. And if you read the wrong thing, a little on the creepy side of Pagan. And if you read the right thing, then she's on the right side of Pagan. <laughs> creepy and Pagan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, not every one of her books would be a recommendation of mine. But Howl's Moving Castle certainly is. It's very fun. Yeah, I saw the movie. What's that? I don't have to read the book. I saw the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, you really missed out. You <laughs> You've lost this battle. Yeah, no, I've actually done both. The movie stinks, I, and the I, book is wonderful. I've done both, too. Yeah, the movie is not much like the book. The book is a is a charming, romantic fantasy. The movie's like an anti-war something. Screed. Or a, screed, yeah. It, it, it breaks down and is very dumb and annoying. And Nope, the book is great. The book has fun characters, fun dialogue, fun conceit, and it's very clever. It will appeal to boys and girls. Highly recommend it. All right, moving on to yet another Brit. We will get back to more Americans. Bomb, of course, an American, famously. Um, Watership Down, the best talking animal fantasy of all time. Stand by that. It is a weird book. It is a beautiful book. It's about rabbits trying to find a new home. They go on rabbit adventures. They do not wear clothes. They do not use swords. But they do talk, and they are all different. You've got, like, the leader. You've got the rabbit who sees mystical visions. You've got the rabbit who's a warrior. They have fights against, it feels like political, com- I, just, I don't think it really is political commentary. It, it, exactly. It's just an adventure story. But they have fights against these weird, like this cult of rabbits that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, what would you say, human nature commentary. It's, it's, there's it's, plenty of human nature commentary. It's not annoying and political like modern things that's, are. But it is right. like, well, when people organize themselves in societies these are the kinds of ways yeah. they can go wrong that's right this one's a cult right <laughs> and so you've got but it's all rabbits of course there's a lot of action actually there's a lot of fighting yeah and uh, it gets pretty pretty violent but in a fun fantasy way that's one thing if you do fantasy novels well with animals you can get away with things that in a human novel you wouldn't let your kids read mm-hmm. but this book is awesome yeah i love how i down i really don't understand that one actually got a decent amount of pushback on Twitter. People, there were a lot of people, more people saying, yes, yeah, of course, great, love it. 
But then there were the people who just said, it scared me or it's too violent or why not just read Redwall? And I love Redwall. I'm a big fan yep. of the, those books get hugely repetitive, but they're enormously oh, yeah. fun. They are the, super fun. And especially the early ones I like and have great affection and mm-hmm. nostalgia for. But Watership Down is special. Watership Down is special. It's some kind of masterpiece. Like It's masterpiece. It's literature, right? And I think, I don't know, I think kids can handle it. Like it's maybe the wrong sort of kid might be sensitive to some of it. Yeah. That's fine. Not everything's for everybody. But Yeah. But when I read it, oh man, it was like, I get to live in this world for 400 pages, 500 pages. I am so happy right now. It's like, ah, it's yeah. one of those treasures you find as a kid, and if, the, if you're that kind of kid. The characters are incredibly enduring too. They are really great. I said enduring. Enduring, you meant enduring. Is, what, is what I yeah. meant, yes. They're pretty enduring, but they, they're very they enduring. Minus the ones that famously don't endure. <laughs> That's right. Oh, moving on. Hey, another talking animal book by yet another Brit. Winnie the Pooh. Ah, of course. Right. Everyone knows yeah. my booking episode. I hate Winnie the Pooh. I oh, hate no. A. What a jerk. Oh, that, that's not true, I heard. That's not true at all, but that was what people <laughs> took away. <laughs> took away. All right. Nathan likes A.A. Milne. He enjoys A.A. Milne. I enjoy A.A. Milne, too. My wife is a big fan. I confess, these. I didn't really grow up with these. I remember growing up with them as references. My mom was a fan. I never got into them. I did not read them. Even now, I'm underread in Winnie the Pooh. But I like them. Mm-hmm. I like them. They're fun. They're witty. As a boy, what they don't do is fill the action-adventure side. No, they don't. I think that that's what I was into as a boy. I was excited about the action adventure side. I remember watching Winnie the Pooh cartoons and that more often. And I feel like my mom must have read us some of these stories. I like them. I know that going back now, I would enjoy them even more. I Like, I have no doubt that I would. Yeah, the thing so. that we've always said on the book, I think is A, we said that A.A. Milne had a complicated relationship with his son, the real Christopher Robin. And some of that had to do with the way perhaps that he sentimentalized childhood. And so we had some... Some, you can go listen to the episode. We had some questions. We wanted to interrogate that. We didn't want to just accept that it's great because we love the book. And then we said, he's such a master ironist that some of it may be, it's not that it doesn't work for children, but it might even work better for adults. Mm-hmm. And somehow that turned into, we hate Winnie the Pooh and we don't think you should read him to his children and we're just monsters. But yes, of course we are monsters, everyone. Knows, right, right, right. But that. the other two parts. <laughs> but the other parts are not true. Are not true. Yep. And, and as an adult, I have a well-developed sense of irony, and I find these books enormously funny. Like, laying aside the issue of kids, like, they're just funny books. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're just good. Yeah. And they're, they are much more sophisticated in their humor than the Disney cartoons that were right. adapted, adapted for them. Of course, read yep. A.A. Milne. He's great. And his poetry is great. Yeah. Cool. Moving on, we get back to the Americans. The Americans. Yeah, you got Lloyd Alexander. A lot of people know Lloyd Alexander. They read his Pradane Chronicles. Sure. I hope I said that right, Pradane. I think when I was, it was a reading word for me growing up. No one taught me how to say it. And I said Pryden, but that obviously sounds dumb. So I'd go with Pradane. And there, anyway, that's not, Pradane Chronicles, I think, are really fun. Also uneven. Uh-oh, let's litigate that later. <laughs> Don't hate me. I grew up with them. I loved them. I read most Lloyd Alexander books, and I reread most Lloyd Alexander books. I checked them out from the library over and over again, so I was a true fan. This is adult me talking. Anyway, there's some books that I feel like, hey, this is just great. This just works really well. Still, The Marvelous Misadventures of Sebastian, definitely a kid's adventure book. Mm -hmm. But man, is it fun. This guy is the fourth fiddle for, for this baron and... He makes a snide comment towards one of the Baron's guests, and he has to get fired because it's politics, baby. And then he finds himself on the road, and he's like a teenager or something, and he's 
He learns about, he learns, like Lloyd Alexander is a moralist. Yeah. And that's part of the charm of his books. And also sometimes when his moralizing is less sophisticated than you wish it were, it's like, I wish that were a really good lesson instead of a kind of okay lesson. He can get a little tedious. But this book, I just have fond memories of Sebastian's adventures dealing with a cursed fiddle and a princess in disguise and creepy cut purse assassin guy and an evil nobleman scheming for the throne and a circus troupe and a cat, giant cat that adopts Sebastian and rides on his shoulder. I always wanted that cat after that. I wanted a cat that would be like a dog who rode on your shoulder. It'd be awesome. And uh, man, it's really fun. It's fun. It's quick. What is the Lord Alexander series that is sort of Greco-Roman? Greco-Roman? There's only one book I know of like that. That's the Arcadians. It's a single novel. Yeah, okay. The Arcadians is fun. You've read that one? Yeah, I think so. I know I've read some Lloyd Alexander as a kid. And yeah. and what I remember chiefly actually is the one that I read, whichever one it was, had that moral sense and I didn't really like it that much. Like I liked the world building. I liked the characters. I yep. like, I, there was yep. a lot that I responded to. Right. But there was like, I don't know. I just remember like, yeah. oh, this protagonist is kind of dumb and making a fool of himself one way or another. And right. the girl in the book was way cooler than he was. And I kind of resented it one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably a lot of his catalog is marred by stuff like that. People would defend the Pradane Chronicles. I'd Again, I'd say they're uneven. I would go back and read them. I'd enjoy them. But I think I'd see a lot of the kind of stuff Nathan is talking about. Is that they, where the is that the Black Cauldron? Is that where that comes the from? The Black Cauldron is book two of that series. That's right. Famously made into it. Well, not so famously made into a Disney movie. You may not have even I've, heard of because it sank I've never like a seen stone. It. Yeah, and it wasn't supposed to be that great. No, it's not. Another favorite of mine by Alexander while we're on him is the oh my goodness. The remarkable journey of Prince Jin, which is this mashup of Chinese mythology and stuff. And I man, I loved it. It was weird and creepy and interesting. I liked the moral lessons. I bet I would like them now. I don't think that's 100% favorite. You're always going to get moralizing with Lloyd Alexander, and sometimes it works quite well, especially Mm. for younger kids. So anyway, I'm sorry that that all sounds so critical, listener, but I am a Lloyd Alexander fan. No, even just talking about him, I have have nostalgia for him. I mean, I just remember looking at his books in like Scholastic catalogs and stuff like that. He was just omnipresent in those days. Yeah. Well, he was always witty, always colorful, always full of invention. Like, he would create worlds very generously, sort of like Baum. Not the same kind of thing, but create characters, create dialogue that was fun. You just have a good time. Yeah. He had loads of assets that a lot of you, you wish other writers had now. A disciplined prose style that's fun to read. Mm. Fun to read out loud, I'm certain. Yeah, The First Two Lives of Lucas Kasha is another one of his I recommend. It's very good. It's a more... I'm going to say a more like mature and melancholy kind of kid's fantasy. It's about a scamp like a lot of his books are. But yeah, it's good. It's good. You should read it. All right. Moving on. Another American. Hey, we're getting the Americans in here. So we got Robert O'Brien, mm. Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Man, I read this book so many times growing up. I would go back and read it right now. I love it. Love it. Could not get enough of this book or the world. Tried to read the sequel by some lady who... Maybe he gave his blessing to. She wrote a couple sequels to Rats of Nim. Eh, didn't really do it for me. But it, this animated movie is pretty awesome. Yes, it's that's, diff- that's how I know the property. And it is a good movie. It's kind of awesome. It's different than the book. The book is less fantasy. The book is more a flavor of science fiction fantasy, if you will. In the movie, there's like a magic amulet and stuff. And the book is like, these rats were experimented on in the lab. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. This is Frisbee's husband. Anyway, was one of them. And uh, he's dead now. 
<laughs> There's a lot of dark stuff going on here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of like with Mothership Down, this feeling of these animals are very fragile and frail. They're menaced by things like, we're going to mow the field. Help, we're going to die. We're just mice. It's going to kill us. We have to get away. But I can't get away. My son is sick. Help. So you're, it makes you feel the fragility of your own life through the fragility of their lives. Mm-hmm. Watership Down does that. This is not a masterpiece on the level of Watership Down, but I want to say it may be some kind of masterpiece, or it's close. It's really well-written. It's gripping. It's strange. It's unexpected. You care about everything. You feel like by the end of the book, you've witnessed the loss of something special because the rats of Nim go away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's got a lot of stuff going on, actually. I wonder if it's underestimated. Maybe I'm overestimating it. Apparently, I can't quite tell just looking at this cover, but either Newberry, either Newberry or Caldecott thought New, it was... N- yeah, N- Newberry. Caldecott's for illustrations. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's Newberry. O'Brien also wrote this, this The Silver Crown. He only wrote two other novels that I'm remembering. Silver Crown and Z for Zechariah or Zachariah. That second one is really weird. It's made into a very sexual looking movie that's based on the book, which I wouldn't recommend. And I saw the trailer. I was like, no. But Silver Crown is a weird, fairy taleish, apocalyptic kind of story that's even darker <laughs> than Mrs. Frisbee. And I liked it a lot. <laughs> I haven't gone back to it, but I would read it again. All right. Moving on. Man, is this the end of the list? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. So. That's crazy. Sorry, folks, we're back to the Brits. They've just done a better job. Sorry. I'm not sorry, but more Americans should write stuff that we want to put on a list. You know, I was trying to think of, I was like, surely in the modern age, and then I was like, nope, J.K. Rowling is the big one, and she's a Brit, too. Like, they they just have preeminence in this field. They do, yeah. So you got the wind in the willows. Yeah. Hey, we can't leave that out. So that's more, anyway, that also, it has a little bit of adventure. It's odd, I never read this growing up. I feel like I read it a couple of years ago for the first time. I don't know why. It's, I, I did read it as a young child, and I remember I, I remember it enormously fondly, but I don't actually – and I have the images in my head, you know, yeah. Toad Hall, stuff like that. But I couldn't really even tell you what it's about. I guess he gets in trouble and he does. goes on adventure. Like, not like fighting bad guys' adventures, but just like – He steals a car. Yeah. Toad steals a car, and then he gets in jail. Right. And he breaks out, or I think he breaks out, and then his friends help him retake Toad Hall, which has been invaded by weasels and things. So there is, there's like a battle scene. That's um, right. Yeah, that's it's, it's fun. I mean, this book is more like the animals are going to have a dinner party. It's going to be very elegant. Mm-hmm. They're going to walk along the banks of the river, and we're going to describe the river. It's very beautiful, and it's very interesting, and it pulls you into another world entirely. It's not nearly as ironic as Milne, but it has maybe has more in common with Milne mm-hmm. and, say, Watership Down. The animals are dressing up in clothes. You know, they have... They're the gentlemen. Right. They're English gentlemen. They're people surrogates more. That's right. They're not. Much more directly. It, it's, it is beautiful. I would, I'd read it again. I feel like I probably underappreciated it on the first pass. Probably the kind of book I'd want to read out loud with my wife or something. More like Winnie the Pooh. So very good. I'm just trying to think of anyone that I left off. People suggested a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Some of which we thought of and said no. And some of which we just we didn't think of or some of which we don't know yeah people suggest, a lot of people said redwall 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 to which i agree i mean i think watership yep. down is the superior work of art but redwall enormous fun love it love the first i'd say five or six yeah books in that series yep, yep. I, mean, I, I feel like i read 10 at least maybe yeah, 11 but yeah and then it does start to get really 
repetitive repetitive but mm-hmm. but it's um, great yeah it's great what were the other things a lot of people said susan cooper i do not remember i know a lot of people like susan cooper and the dark is rising series yeah my mom read those and really liked them when when i was like i read the first one and then she read it and then she got kept going i did not keep going i think that one was enough for me i don't remember that much about it a lot of people said madeline lalingle and the wrinkle in time stuff and i realized that is a controversial take because you can go ahead go and listen to our book thing episode and just hear us mock that book like we very much look down on it and i'm sorry that's just the way it is i know people feel a lot of affection for those books and i did too i actually have great nostalgia for that book for the first one in particular i read it i loved it i can picture the cover art that kind of 60s you know psychedelic psychedelic kind of Jungian stuff yeah and just the brain and the city and there's some really cool stuff in there but if you go back and you read it now what i think you'll find what i found anyway is that the children protagonists are enormously entitled and unlikable charles wallace in particular is just intolerable and (laughs) i mean just the fact that he's named charles wallace and that we keep having to hear the phrase charles wallace throughout (laughs) the novel and the weird mixing of paganism and christianity is pretty off-putting you know the fact that jesus in this mythology is was one of the prophets of the good force or whatever he's just one of many along with buddha along with plato along with anyone that you happen to like from western civilization yeah her, as if you've ever had to read or had someone recommend to you or tried to read any of Langle's sort of devotional christian work you realize that she's evil and off her off her rock yeah she's just She's doctrinally, she's evil. She's just heretically she's evil. She's just a Gnostic, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, that's what y- I think. I have, like I said, I liked it. And you, it sounds like you liked it too. As I a, read and I reread those things so many times. The first three, man, loved them. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend them. Yeah. But I realize that's going to step on some toes because I know there's people listening right now that remember those things with fun. It's maybe they've given them to their kids. That's all I can say is, man, it did not work for me at all when I went back. Uh, people said Wingfeather Saga, saga, which none of us have read. Nope. People said Never Ending Story. Have you done Never Ending Story? I actually have never read it. I grew up with the movie and then the sequel. But I, know, I, never... I know neither the movie nor the book. I just I can picture images like I've the... heard it's a pretty good book. I haven't heard that it's great. But I'm in, I'm interested in reading it. Uh, people said Phantom Toll Booth, which I did like as a oh, kid. I loved that as a kid. I just forgot about it. I, I don't know if it holds up. Yeah, I don't know either, but I, I certainly did like it i'm trying to see if anything else oh uh, of course uh, there was one obvious oversight on our part which was Roald Dahl we should have included oh, man, him yeah Roald Dahl is great he hates humanity and <laughs> but it's very <laughs> funny <laughs> you gotta love it <laughs> yeah James and the Giant Peach Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Charlie and the Great Grass Elevator I like a lot oh, even though man. it's bonkers <laughs> I love that book that was so much fun do they go to space and, ah those aliens it's, try to kill them it's great it's, it's really great incredibly bizarre <laughs> uh, just to see it. there's the people it's fun thread you should go look it up if you're on twitter there's a lot of great recommendations so but just to be clear we should have put on brian jack in the red wall series yeah at I least so. the first few books and we yep. should have put on doll yeah so missed those sorry yeah for my money if you're getting into red wall you read the first red wall book and that's a pretty perfect book he has to find the sort of whatever and it, it's got a nice mystery element to yep. it that some of the other ones don't have they just become a little bit more straightforward questy kind of mm-hmm. books and then i really like the other two that kind of buttress that one moss flower and matimio matimio 
are a lot of fun. And then he went and filled in some of the backstory with Martin the Warrior and some of the, those are all pretty good. But then it just becomes a repetitive, like, right. another tyrant came and... Another hero. Another hero arose. There was more noble sacrifice. There, was, there yeah. were more meals that described in great detail that the moles put together. <laughs> yes, he likes his food. He likes his food. Well, and his prose style became stifling by the end. He got more ornate and, I don't know, enamored with his own descriptive powers in a way that I did not find likable. I'm just going through this. I mean, Ben and I are both not H.G. Wells fans or who's that other Jules guy? Verne. Jules Verne's fans. He was mentioned. Terry Brooks, nope, sorry. I did read those. I did enjoy them. Some of them read multiple times, maybe even three times. You know who I don't remember well enough? I know many people swear by him, and I know he's was greatly influential on some of the people that we love. But George MacDonald, I did read The Princess and the Goblin, I think, and I maybe liked it, but I don't have much memory of it now. I really liked it as a kid. I would be uncomfortable with the grandmother being God. Yeah, I think actually a lot of the problems boil down to he's willing, he doesn't have a hesitation about casting God as a woman. Yeah, he crosses some weird lines. He crosses some weird lines. But there's no denying that he's an effective fantasist in many ways. A pretty great, just sentence by sentence, a pretty great writer. Yeah. So, yeah, we approach with caution, but don't begrudge anyone liking him. Yeah, 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 I think that's a lot of the greats. So yeah, I mean, people. there was a mention of Lord Dunsany. I have, I'm underread on my Dunsany. I feel like I've looked at a little bit of him. I know he's influential. I know he's a superb writer, and I'm interested. Yeah, I, I recommend Lord Dunsany. I mean, he is awfully, he, he, he strives for an effect. Like, he goes way over the top with his language in a way that might be off-putting to some people, but I think it's fun, especially in short doses. I like his short fiction a lot, and his sense of... Cosmic fantasy is just wonderful. Very influential on people like H.P. Lovecraft, even, who just did the sort of dark version of Dunsany. People recommended Book of the Dun Cow, which is a book that I think Ben and I both have kind of a love. I don't want to say hate. Not uh, hate. Love-dislike relationship yeah, with. Yeah, like a, love, a love queasiness relationship yeah, with, I would weird. say. It's weird. It's a weird parable. What does it mean? I still don't know what it means. I've read it not too many years ago as a adult. I've, I've read it probably three times. I've read the sequel probably twice. I don't think I get. I cert. I would never give the sequel to my kids. Not ever. Right. Nope. And then the main book. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, those are some books you can read if your kids are tired of Narnia. Not that you can ever be tired of Narnia or... Hey, I like Darnia or Lord of the Rings, if you're tired of Lord of the Rings. Not that you can ever be tired of Lord of the Rings. If you've exhausted those <laughs> and you need some other fantasy novels, I think my personal recommendation from the list would be drop everything and read Diana Wynne-Jones. She is so, oh, yeah. so much fun. Such a great writer and just has, has a real moral sense. Not a Christian at all, but has delightful characters and situations. And I don't know. I just think she's still under praised even to the i think she's pretty well loved and pretty well known and the even though but there was a lot of people that responded to the twitter thread and said how's moving castle is a book i thought it was just a movie and that makes me sad oh yeah so i don't know anything else to say about great children's fantasy novels ben no i was just trying to think of anyone else there's a couple of minor people that maybe we'll post about or write about or talk about someday but no, that caught a lot of it. Caught a lot of authors that I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I liked some of the things that people mentioned. Yeah, this is the kind of thing where we'll definitely think of something even later today and kick ourselves for not mentioning it. But I can't think of it now. Nope. So, All right. We'll be off next week, folks. And then we'll be back with more Sound of Sanity. In, me, in the meantime, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash Sound of Sanity. Until next time. Stay sane. Stay sane.